Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today, and I'm so glad that you're listening in with me. And one thing that you might not know about me is that I have ADHD and I went through school and I wondered like, what is wrong with me that I don't get it and I'm not understanding this. I could often feel stupid. I would lose things and I couldn't like manage all my papers. And I spent a lot of time trying to stay organized, but I felt like my brain was like a file cabinet (laughs) where the papers and folders had been dumped on the floor. And it was a struggle and it was a challenge. And what I ended up doing is I learned a lot of coping skills, but I also hid it. And I had a lot of shame. And then my oldest, when she was in middle school, she was diagnosed with ADHD. And then another one of my kids was diagnosed with ADHD. And they looked at me one day and they said, Mom, you have it. And all of a sudden, I started making sense. And I have learned that I don't need to live in the shame, that I can love myself And there are superpowers in actually having ADHD. Many of you that are listening, you have a child that has been diagnosed, or you're wondering if you have ADHD and you're not quite sure. Well, my special guest today is Katie Weber, and I met her in a podcast group, and she has a weekly podcast called Women and ADHD, and it is currently ranked among the top 1% of all podcasts globally. Katie is also an ADHD coach, an author, speaker, and founder of Women and ADHD. We talk about so many different things in this interview about the shame that comes from living with ADHD. And if you have a child that has been diagnosed, what it's like for them to be living with ADHD. And we talk about what neurodivergent means and the best thing you can do for a child with ADHD, how to be a parent with ADHD, and learning to embrace the superpower element of ADHD, and so much more. So let's jump in. Katie, welcome to the show today. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I 
am excited for our conversation today and something that we're going to be talking all about ADHD and digging into that and being somebody that has struggled with that. I very much looking uh, forward to talking about it and also having kids that have ADHD. And I know a lot of our listeners are navigating that themselves. I want to start with you sharing a little bit about your own story and how you started your podcast and you got started doing what you're doing today. Yeah. So I, I know a lot of women in, you know, mothers come to their ADHD diagnoses through their children. Usually, you know, the child gets diagnosed and then the mom is looking at how can I help my child? And then they're looking through these symptoms and they're like, this is basically my childhood. <laughs> Maybe I should look into this. Uh, I know that that's how a lot of us come to our diagnosis. I actually came to my diagnosis um, at the age of 45, at the beginning of the pandemic. And my therapist had ADHD and she came to her ADHD through her, her middle school or son. And so she was learning about herself and, and, you know, what ADHD looks like in herself as, as an adult and as a mom. And she was sort of gently suggesting to me for a couple of years that I should really look into it. I think she was noticing a lot of, um, you know, I would have this kind of manic energy about my business and I was an entrepreneur and I was doing all these things. And yet at the same time, I would also kind of come to her and talk about myself like I was this terrible, lazy person. And, and I, you know, I would always had this very poor sense of self. And I, and I think she saw that disparity between like what I was actually doing and accomplishing and how I felt about myself. And that was kind of a tip off for her. And I also would talk about struggling a lot in school. Uh, and I think that was another tip off for her. So she always said, you should look into this. And of course I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not hyper. <laughs> uh, I don't understand why you, I kind of thought it was insulting that she thought I had ADHD. Cause I was like, I, don't, I, I can sit here. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I had this, you know, I had the stigma of, and this misconception of what ADHD looks like. Cause I had like a lot of people, I had this misconception that it was this, you know, ADHD is for, for little boys who can't sit still in class. And I really didn't understand what it was, but I, I took an online self-test uh, and it was a generic one for adults. And I kind of, there were some things I related to, but for the most part, didn't score that high, didn't really think much about it. And then the pandemic hit and suddenly my kids were home. We were remote learning. My husband was home. I was decided for some reason that this was going to be the time that I was going to, you know, really invest in my business. And, you know, but I couldn't do anything like, I, you know, I just felt totally paralyzed by the fact that my, you know, any minute my kids were going to come bursting into my office and have an issue with Zoom, you know, or, or the Wi-Fi was going to be out. Like, I just felt like I was sitting waiting for the next catastrophe in my home. And I was really struggling and I was just had a lot of emotional breakdowns as a result. You know, I was just feeling a lot of rage. It was COVID. We were doom scrolling all day long. Like it was a lot of us were really, really struggling. And I think that that was, it was during that time that my therapist was like, you really need to look into what ADHD looks like in adult women. And, and that's when I started really researching specifically ADHD in women. And then that's when I started taking the self-test, a self-test from Attitude Magazine's website that was geared toward women, where it really talked about a lot of the, the shame 
elements, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the emotional mm-hmm. elements of, of being disorganized and having difficulty focusing and having difficulty starting projects and having difficulty finishing projects and, and kind of, you know, connecting the dots between how those, you know, attention issues and executive function issues really affect us as women in our core, as mothers and as partners. And once I started making those connections, it was just like the train was off the tracks. Like it was just so overwhelming. I It was like I was looking through my whole life suddenly through this new lens. And I was, you know, taking, turning over rocks and looking underneath them and be like, that was ADHD. Oh my goodness. You mean that was ADHD? You know, a postpartum depression. I think it was ADHD, you know, and all of these moments in my life with children and babies and school and grad, you know, college. And it was just, it was overwhelming. It was revelatory to, to think about how, you know, my sense of self was so wrapped up in, in this neurodivergence. And, and that's when I was like, I want to know if there's other women who are experiencing this. And so, you know, we're in lockdown. I was, you know, I figured why not start a podcast where I have an excuse to reach out to other women who were diagnosed in adulthood and start talking about our experiences and figure, you know, I, I was curious, like, how did other women come to their diagnosis? How did other women, you know, did they have this overwhelming, you know, mind blowing experience when they were diagnosed. And then that just kind of (laughs) happened. And, (laughs) and I realized once I put it out there, I didn't really think anybody was going to listen. It was really just sort of a cathartic experience for me. But once I, I realized as it took off that a lot of women were listening to the stories that we were sharing about our own lives and making those connections in their life and realizing like how much, how um, healing it is to realize that we're not alone, you know, because there is, there's so much, um, you know, there's so Mm -hmm. much stigma and so much shame about a lot of these things that these struggles that we've had, that it's so nice to hear other women talk openly about, you know, the fact that they can't fold their laundry (laughs) or, or, you know, what it's like to suddenly, you you know, uh, like, you know, how many times we used having people over as an excuse to clean our home. And then with, with COVID, (laughs) nobody was coming over and all of a sudden our home was a disaster because you lose that motivation. And so like talking about those moments that we all shared and, uh, you know, realizing that like, we don't really come to understand what ADHD looks like in adult women through reading online articles or reading, you know, the DSM or even learning about it, you know, from how to help children. Like what we really learn about is what it looks like in when we talk about our lived experience and then, you know, TikTok videos and and these memes and and social media has just, I think, blown the lid off of our understanding of how how ADHD looks in adults. Yes. Wow. You said so much good stuff there. (laughs) Thank you for being courageous that here, you know, you had this experience where this mind blowing, I think was how you described an experience that was so overwhelming and decided to talk about it and to expose it and be vulnerable to put it, shine the light on it and help other moms that are struggling with this to also shine the light on it and talk about it and to create this safe place. And so thank you. I really think it's uh, 
it's very needed where we're talking about this. And I even noticed as I was introducing you feeling a little shame around admitting, I still, you know, have a little shame around admitting I have ADHD because I have judgments, you know, about myself, you know, and I was one that was diagnosed through my kids and they were, um, all of them actually were diagnosed. I have three and we did brain specs and we started with one, our oldest. And so it was pretty cool when we had the brain spec. And so I decided to have it done as well, because my kids were like, mom, you have it. And sure enough, and it was so interesting because a neuropsychiatrist said, you know, your back of your brain um, is, is like it's fried in a way because it was overworking. The prefrontal cortex was like it was trying to get blood flow to my prefrontal cortex. And he said that the brain, you could tell that. And I was like, wow, I felt so seen by it. Did you feel like once you found out, did you feel that way? Like you made sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I think it's ironic that a lot of the stigma comes from misunderstanding and, and feeling like, um, you know, a lot of, I guess a lot of the shame comes from living a life undiagnosed. And, and I think what is so revelatory about getting the diagnosis is that you suddenly, you have an explanation uh, for why you things are happening because, you know, a lot of the time we go through our lives feeling like, well, it's not because I'm not trying, you know, it's not because I don't have the will to do the thing. And so that's where all of that, that shame comes, right. Which is like, I don't know what's wrong with me. We talk a lot about this idea of like, um, you know, it feels like everybody else got the manual, but me, right. <laughs> you just have this kind of general sense that you're broken. Um, oh, and, 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 so right? much. Yes. And, and so to have an explanation, finally, when you've been looking for one for so long, and so many of us are misdiagnosed with other mood disorders, so many of us are misdiagnosed with depression or anxiety, and they never quite fit. And I think that's what's so incredible about learning about the brain-based challenges and, and how they relate to some of these executive function issues, which is like, oh, okay, finally somebody's, you know, I, I always, I like to use the metaphor of like walking around in a foot of water and there's a foot of water in your house and you have no idea why it's there and you're just <laughs> trudging around and you're like, where is this water coming from? And then somebody says, oh, the tap is on in your kitchen and, <laughs> and let me just, you know, help you with that. And even though the water's still there, at least you know where it's coming from. And that makes all the difference. Uh, and then you can start to work on it. You can turn the tap off. You can start to you know, get rid of it. But at least you have that explanation. I think that's what's so yeah, important yeah. for so many of us after, after living our lives kind of making do for so long. Yes, yes. I was thinking of like some of my ADHD stories. Like I remember when my kids were little and it was, it felt like so difficult to hold everything together. I know that moms are listening that don't have ADHD and they're saying it was hard to hold it together. But I just remember feeling how you described how you felt during COVID. I so got that because it was, it's a crazy time for all of us, but there's something about being able to turn my brain off. And when there's a lot of noise 
and that anxiety and that distractibility that when I'm trying to get something done, there feels like there's always distraction or something. I, I can't, mm-hmm. but yet I can hyper-focus. But anyway, um, I went and bought these sandwiches in town at this really wonderful sandwich place. And <laughs> I was so excited. And so I had my bag and everything and I got in the car and I drove home and I couldn't find my sandwiches. And I was like, where did my sandwiches go? So I drove back and I saw them. They had, I had put them on the top of the car on the, on the top and they had blown off in the bag. And so my sandwiches were on the side of the road (laughs) and they were like scattered, but they were still packaged. So I, I parked my car, I got out and I got my sandwiches and nothing was wrecked, but that kind of describes how it felt in a nutshell, even as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I always lost my mittens. I was always losing things. My mom was not at all that way. So she had a really hard time understanding me. And, yeah. um, and I would always think like, what's wrong with me? You know, that I can't, I'm losing everything all the time, or I don't understand what's going on in the classroom. Did you, what was your experience as a kid? Yeah, I, well, and I think that that's something we talk about a lot when it comes to understanding what even is ADHD, right? Because I think there are a lot of people out there who think, well, doesn't that happen to everybody? I mean, everybody's lost their keys at some point, or everybody's forgotten their coffee on top of their car and driven off with it. Like, you know, um, there are those experiences that I think are universal. And and the difference, I think, for those of us who have who end up being diagnosed with ADHD is the degree to which these struggles affect us for the long term in terms of who, you know, how we view ourselves and our, and again, how they, um, the, the chronic nature then leads to a sense of self and a, a sense of shame yeah. in, in our identity. And I think that's what we really look at when we look at like, why bother getting diagnosed or, you know, you know, are these, are these little moments in life, these forgetfulness or the inability to do certain things, are they, um, you know, do they affect you to the degree that you almost like kind of want to curl up in the fetal position every time it happens? And I think often we get to a point in adulthood where they, they have accumulated over time and we haven't had any help. And we've always kind of felt like we could manage and, and get our act together. And as a result, once we get into adulthood, that's, you know, our ability to cope become wears away so that when something like a pandemic hits, so many of us, you know, it felt like we had this house of cards and a gust of wind just came and blew everything over. And I think, you know, it's why so many women are getting diagnosed nowadays. It's not because it's trendy and it's not because all of a sudden we're all forgetful is because we're really making these connections between, you know, what has been happening over the course of our lives and, you know, like middle school and, and, and college and motherhood, new motherhood is another big moment in time where we really, really struggle because a lot of our structures are blown out the window. And, and again, you know, um, pandemics, I think we could add that to the list now. Um, so, but yeah, and in, in answer to your initial question, the, um, the, the, I struggled in middle school with, um, a lot of the, attention issues. And I, I was the youngest of three kids. So I had two older brothers 
And both my elder brothers did really well in school. And I was in the gifted program. And my parents always joked about the fact that I had the highest IQ of all three kids. So like, why can't you just get your act together? You know, it was almost like this joke, which was like, oh, you know, isn't it funny that you have this high IQ, but you get D's and, you know, and nobody was like, maybe she has a learning disability or maybe she needs some help. It was sort of just a joke like, oh, well, not everybody's good in school. You know, uh, you, you know, if you don't go to college, it's fine. You're good at other things. And, and I think they were really genuinely trying to make me feel good about myself because I wasn't doing well in school, but I don't think at the time they understood what was happening and I didn't know what was happening either. I think they just thought I was lazy or, or unmotivated or, um, you know, not interested in school. And then I would get all of the negative comments from my teachers who were just like, you have to study more and you have to try harder. And I would think I am trying hard. Uh, and then I gave up and then I just stopped going to class. And that was, you know, I think what we all worry about as parents is, you know, when our, you know, I certainly do for my kids. Um, you know, what happened to me was I just stopped going to class and I just skipped class and it was just like, you know, I don't want to go to, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. I'm trying hard. I'm not getting good grades. So screw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You sound like my oldest. That's exactly <laughs> what happened with her. And once she was diagnosed, she said, I feel really validated and I'm now I'm really mad. She said, because everybody has told me, like yourself, she would get straight A's. She's a brilliant writer. And um, she got a perfect score on her ACT with vocabulary. And she's very articulate. And yet she didn't do her homework. And it, and she was missing all these assignments. And we would get so upset with her. Now, at that time, she's 31 now. I didn't know what I know today. But I, I did think, oh, she's so lazy. Why can't she get her assignments turned in? And she's, and the psychiatrist said, you know, it's like she was trying to, to hike a mountain, but it was like her, she was like cut off at the knees. Mm -hmm. She couldn't do it. And, and he said, and the brain flow, you know, the, the flow in her brain, the blood flow the prefrontal cortex, it's not, it's not wiring the way that it, you know, it should be. So anyway, she was mad because she was hearing that same message and yet she felt validated, but it was always the teachers like she's just not, you know, living up to her full potential. And yeah, yeah. We get that one a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's why as, as parents, I always encourage moms to say, what might really be going on that your kid is not unable to get their homework done? Because if you're just trying to um, get them to do their homework and really frustrated and fighting with them all the time, they do get discouraged and they give up and they're like, why even try? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I feel like my diagnosis has really changed how I parent in that way too. Right. Where I noticed that I was kind of doing that with my own kids, which was, I had one kid who did really, really, did really well in school. And I had another one who didn't. And with my son who wasn't doing well in school, I just sort of was like, oh, well, not all of my kids can get straight A's. And I, I was just kind of labeling him um, as, as the student who wasn't doing well. And I realized you know, I really needed to change how I 
viewed, you know, what, where, what he was struggling with, right. Which was like, what do you need to succeed? Uh, you know, how can we help you? Because I think that rather than just saying, oh, well, you know, that's fine. I, I want you to feel good about the fact that you're getting C's uh, because I, I don't really, I don't want to be that parent who demands that all of my kids come home with straight A's. But at the same time, I think it was really important to understand, like, if you want to do well in this and you're not, you know, we need to figure out what you need for you to do yes. well in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, yeah, it, it, again, it's like um, so much of, so much of our, uh, success with ADHD is interest driven, right? So we really have to figure out, okay, where do, where do you, where can we find your motivation when it comes to these things? Yes, that's yeah. And the interest and what your strong, your strengths and our kids' strengths. Mm -hmm. So tapping them into that so they can feel really good about something rather than, you know, feeling like they're, they're not good enough which was right. so, so much of my experience. And I, for me, um, traditional school, it was very creative. It was in all the plays. I wrote plays. I, you know, I was involved in music and it was funny though, because I did play the piano backwards. So I'd play my right hand with my left and my left hand with my right. And I'm not, I'm not fully dyslexic or anything, but I have a few of those things. <laughs> Some people would say that's brilliant that I could do that, you know, but uh, didn't sound quite right. But um, there's ways that I can see that I'm, I'm gifted and I have strengths, but I was trying to do math or something like that. It was so difficult mm-hmm. and I needed a lot more support, but I felt stupid. You know, I felt like, what is just, what's wrong with me? So I relate to that too. I'm crying in the psychiatrist's uh, office and saying, I feel like my, my brain is broken. Like mm-hmm. when brains were being doled out, I feel like I got the short end of the stick. That is really how I felt. Yeah, same. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what people don't understand is, you know, we're, we're, the one piece of advice we're often given, which is like, just try harder. Uh, just, you know, do this better. And, and that's probably the worst advice you could give somebody with ADHD who, who really just thinks differently. And we need to figure out how you're thinking differently, what works for you and, and lean into that. Yeah. What does, so I have a, I have a couple things that I'm thinking. I'll ask this first. What would you say to the mom that is listening? Cause I do get this often. I hear moms say this, well, everybody's being way, kids are being way overdiagnosed with ADHD. And I feel like it's just an excuse and just giving them a pass. What would you say to that? Mm. I mean, I think it goes back to what we were saying about motivation, right? And and understanding kind of how to communicate with the child. And 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 this idea that if something isn't getting done, it's not necessarily because if they don't want it to get done, they're just not getting the help they need in that moment. And so I think it's, you know, like for instance, the the one thing that we struggle with a lot in our household is my teenage daughter's messy room. 
<laughs> it is the bane of my husband's existence. He feels like it is his job as her parent to teach her how to be tidy and organized before she leaves the house. Otherwise, she won't be a good adult. And she could not care less about the mess in her room. And he says things like, have you seen how messy her room is? And I'm like, no, I don't go in there. Why would I go in there? It'll only upset me. <laughs> and um, you know, because I have faith, you know, I, I sort of feel like she's got her system and she'll figure it out. And so a lot of the time it's really about kind of understanding what they, you know, why they aren't doing what they're doing. And, and instead, I think the tendency is as a parent to really just kind of brush off their innate knowledge of something and just be like, look, I have a way of doing things and it's my job to teach you how to do those things. And then when you meet resistance, um, you know, you end up butting heads because then it becomes a, a battle of wills and it becomes this idea of like, well, they don't want to take my advice and my advice is sound. So they're obviously, you know, I, I, you take it personally that they don't want to listen to you. And I think, you know, the best thing you can do for a, a child with ADHD is listen to them yes. and figure out with them together, like be their support system. Um, in, and I know that's easier said than done a lot of the time in the heat of the moment, but like a lot of the time it's really about getting them to figure out how to do things on their own. It's not about telling them how to do things. It's really about getting them to figure out, okay, what's going to work for me in this moment? What do I need? And these are like basic questions that oftentimes, especially when you have ADHD or you're neurodivergent that, you know, we need to, we need explicit we need to like understand things explicitly. Uh, you know, uh, concepts don't always just sort of happen um, organically for us. And so I think that's another thing where we really, as parents, need to make sure that kids know um, how to do things. I feel like I'm tripping up on my words at this point, but basically this idea that like, you can't just like assume your child is going to understand how to cook because they've been watching you cook for 12 years. You know, you really have to sort of sit down and say, okay, what do you need? What do you know? What don't you know? And how can I help you get there? I and love it that. takes, it takes mm -hmm. a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that's really how you, how you teach them to become adults. It's not telling them yes, here's everything yes. I know and you have yes. to learn what, I, what works for me. It's figuring out what works for them. Well, what you're saying is so important that um, I just want to pause because the why, you know, I'm thinking the, the why, if they're struggling, what is really might be going on. And then also we tend to talk at our kids. Mm -hmm. And, and if we like, in my example, my mom does not have ADHD. She's the most organized person you have ever met. All the ducks are in the row. And it was hard for her to understand me because my brain was so different. And now finally, you know, she, she, she understands me now and we, we kind of laugh about it, but I'm just like, I'm just wired differently now than you, mom. I wish I could be like you. And I would always kind of think something was wrong with me that I couldn't be like her, but it, talking at doesn't work because our brains are different. And, and tweens and teens, if you're talking at them, especially an ADHD kid, they're going to resist you. For me, when my mom was talking at me, trying to be helpful, I was like a deer in headlights. 
And it was like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, it's like, wah, 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 wah. then I would feel more overwhelmed. I'd feel more anxiety. My, it's like I would get stuck in my head and my head would be spinning. But if somebody would have said to me, what would help you with this? What kind of support do you think you need? Tell me what it feels like as you're, as you're looking at your math homework and been curious, that would have helped me so much more. It's like what you're saying to connect the dots, because if we don't understand how our kids are feeling, any amount of telling them, it might not work for them. You know, mm-hmm. if you said to me, well, my <laughs> maybe you relate to this. My mom would say, where did you leave your gloves? And it would be like, I don't know. And she'd like, well, just think back to the last time you had them. <laughs> I mean, hello, that just didn't work for me because I didn't remember the last time I had them, you know, and then I would try to remember, but I couldn't. And I'd be like, what's wrong with me, you know, that I can't remember. So um, anyway, I just think that that is uh, what you're saying is just really important to, to ask our kids and, mm-hmm. and uh, what they need rather than the talking at. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's really just being there. And I know that that can be really difficult as a parent too, especially as they get older and it's like, you want them to be so much more independent and you're finally getting yourself back after years and years of, of being like really, really involved that it can be tempting to be like, go do this yourself. You know how to do this, do this yourself. And they really are still very young. And I think that can be really difficult with tweens and teens, at least for me, where you know, I, I want them to just be like, just go to your room and clean your room. And, and to understand that that's not something a child with ADHD can do. They need you there. And maybe they just need you sitting there. You don't necessarily have to clean the room with them, but often they just need you there. Uh, they, you know, it's very difficult to do things alone. And I think, so they require a lot of patience and a lot of togetherness and, and that as a parent, can be really hard because we're always looking for a break. (laughs) And so I think there are a lot of books out there on how to parent an ADHD child, but there's not a lot of books out there on how to be a parent with ADHD (laughs) and to deal with a lot of your own needs, you know, and a lot of your own, you know, like uh, realizing that when I'm overstimulated and there's a lot going on, I get thrown into a rage and then everybody's affected, right? When mom's in a bad mood, everybody's affected. And so we don't talk a lot about, you know, how to reduce stimulation as a parent and, and how to understand that that's even what's happening before you get to the rage. So I think there's a lot, you know, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, you know, that to be the perfect parent. Um, and, and I think we as mothers also need to give ourselves a lot more grace in terms of what, you know, uh, that we're learning alongside with our kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, what would you, if, cause one of the books that I love is driven to distraction. Do you like that book? Oh, absolutely. It was yeah. one of the first yeah. ones I read. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an old one. Mm-hmm. I think it's written by two doctors that both have ADHD that are psychiatrists, if I'm remembering yep. correctly. But I like it because it talks about the different types also. And I know that's very, there's such good information because I just um, had somebody that's child was diagnosed with, with ADHD. And I told them about that book and I picked up my 
my book that I had read years earlier. And it's just so good because it really talks about how to help them. Um, Can you think of any other good ones that you've really liked? Oh, absolutely. I, uh, so for understanding ADHD as like a primer, uh, ADHD 2.0, which is a more recent version of driven to distraction. And it's written by the same two doctors, Hallowell and Brady. And it came out and it came out a year ago and it's sort of shorter. Um, I listened to it as an audiobook. I think it's only like six hours, but it's a great like primer. Uh, really, really describes the experience not only with children but also adults. And I, I feel like that's always like the first book I recommend for anybody. And then uh, for women, especially who are understanding their own uh, experience, a uh, neurodivergent experience, and kind of wondering if they even have ADHD themselves, the uh, the book by Sari Solden women with attention deficit disorder, which was originally written in 1994, I think, which was really the very first book that ever even explored the idea that adult women could have ADHD because, Mm. you know, in in the nineties, they still believed that people outgrew it and they certainly didn't believe girls had it. (laughs) So this was really like, you know, she's a pioneer and, and it's been updated over the years. So even though it's sort of the original, um, the original text for, for what it looks like in women, it is just like, it gets you in your bones when you, when she talks about a lot of these very, very private personal experiences that women have gone through, especially as mothers and partners. Uh, so that one is just outstanding. I have not read that women with attention deficit disorder. Yeah. 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 And it's by Sari Solden. Okay. And I actually got to interview her for my podcast and it just felt like, uh, it was just, she was my dream guest. I was so excited. Um, Now I felt like everything had come full circle. Uh, And then the, the book I would always recommend for parents is a fantastic book by Sharon Celine, and it's called what your ADHD child wishes you knew. And one thing I really like about it is she interviews children and she interviews children of all different ages. And it's really like first person experiences from children's point of view woven in through the book. And she's a psychologist who has incredible experience with families. But I just love, you know, going back to that idea of like how we learn by talking about our lived experiences. I just found that book really affirming as a parent in terms of, you know, not only looking back at my own experience and kind of that grief that you had talked about earlier with your daughter of looking back and being like, how did nobody see these signs, you know, and wondering how would my life have been different if I had been, you know, if somebody had helped me as a child and dealing with a lot of that grief. But then at the same time, now as a mother looking and, and thinking about my own children and how I, and how I can best help them. It's just, it's a fantastic book. So, wow. Thank you for those. That is, that is uh Wonderful. I didn't know about that either. My daughter wrote a blog post for, um, for us and it was looking back on how she felt and it's really powerful. So I, I bet that book is just the stories because if your kid is struggling with ADHD, it really helps you understand the turmoil inside and how they can, um, how they can feel and gives you greater compassion and empathy. Well, and how comments like, well, you're getting good grades, you can't possibly have ADHD, how those sorts of comments can be just as damaging, you know, when, when so much of the 
like you said, that turmoil is inside, uh, and you know, so much of that anxiety is building up of wanting to be the good kid and wanting to get everything right and perfect. And, and how so many times we don't look like we're struggling. In fact, we look like we're very successful people often. And, and that's kind of where the breakdown in understanding this is there's this stigma and you sort of, you feel like people with ADHD are supposed to be a hot mess. And often they look, you know, like quite the opposite. It's really about that distance between how you're viewed versus how you feel inside. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because I have a very close friend and she has ADHD, but she's totally out there with it. (laughs) She, she's really, you know, out there and open with it and her struggles where I learned as a kid to hide it Mm. and, Mm. and just to not show it you know, at all. And, and, but when we're together, I feel like she's in my brain, if that makes sense. And I'm just like, I'm always like, Shh, we've talked about Shh, hide it. Don't, don't tell people that, you know, she's talking about the mess, the explosion on her dining room table and how she can't clean these papers up. And I'm like, I just put them in a paper bag where nobody can see them. <laughs> And it's just so funny, you know, to, but, um, yeah, we can mask it and, and hide it. And, uh, it's so good that, you know, you're doing what you do to get it out there and to be talking about it. Yeah. Well, I have one more question. Um, what would you say to mom that might be listening that is like, I've always wondered about myself and I'm not quite sure, like you're, Here's the psychologist that you are working with, what she said to you. Mm-hmm. I love how you talked about, that made so much sense about how it's, what's the word that you used? It's, it's over time that the, that this has been, was it, did you use the word chronic? I can't remember. Maybe. But yeah. <laughs> it's possible. But it, it's just, yeah, it's just happened over and over. It's been a life experiences one after the other cumulative maybe. Is what well, we yeah, I think a lot of the, a lot of the experiences for women and um, of all ages right now, what's happening, what I'm seeing happening is that, you know, they're watching TikTok videos and suddenly a bunch of ADHD stuff is coming on their for you page, or, you know, they're seeing memes on Instagram and they're really relating to a lot of this stuff. And they're like, wow, I never thought I had ADHD because I'm not hyper or whatever, you know, um, not under really, really understanding what it is. And then seeing some of this stuff and being like, wow, I feel really deeply seen by a lot of this content online and a lot of the literature around ADHD. And then you start to think, okay, like I, you know, like we talked about, like you start to go back through your life with this fine tooth comb and you're like, oh yeah, I did struggle here. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. This could be related, you know? And so you realize, even though if somebody said to you, like, you know, you don't think of yourself as somebody who maybe had some struggles. You might think of yourself as like holding it together. But then when you really kind of look back over the course of your life, you start to connect these dots and realize that there are, you know, you are kind of really this house of cards and you are just kind of holding it together. And I think so many of us feel that way, especially now 
in the last couple of years um, with all, with everything that's happened with the lockdowns and the pandemic is that we're just like really on edge. And, and these are those moments where it's not like you were struggling your whole life, but it's these moments where, because you might have ADHD, it really comes to the fore in these times in your life. And so if you are somebody who really had difficulty with babies, <laughs> and if you are somebody who maybe really struggled like with exams and you now are really struggling struggling with the pandemic, you're seeing these patterns, it's coming back over and over and over again. And yes, I think if you're really feeling seen by it, I think at any age, it's worth it to seek out a diagnosis because that, that explanation can be so life-changing. Yeah. So how are you feeling today since you've been diagnosed? Well, it's, it's, (laughs) you know, I often use the metaphor of the Phoenix because like, I feel like for me, it did take an emotional breakdown for me to kind of get this, this diagnosis. And now um, it often feels like the sky is the limit in terms of being able to really recognize some of these strengths that I never recognized before and, and being able to lean into them and really kind of embrace the, the superpower element of ADHD that we talk about. And ADHD certainly does not always feel like a superpower, but there are elements to it where you can really harness uh, some of that energy and some of that, like you said, like when you, when you know you're in hyper-focus, you can really harness that sometimes. And uh, we are Nothing can get in. <laughs> I know. Right. And so, you know, to really kind of be able to shift the perspective of myself has been transformative. And so I really kind of understand kind of how I operate, what I need to, to excel and, and lean into those strengths. And that's, what's been so amazing about meeting so many other women of, from different backgrounds and and different experiences. Like I have yet to interview a woman who isn't brilliant in some way. And it's really just about like figuring out what that is and harnessing it and then going with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And I love how you use the word. Um, and I've, I've heard that used quite a bit, the neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you define that? So, I mean, neurodivergent is really anyone who has an atypical brain. And so, you know, a lot of mood disorders fall into that category as well. So you've got autism spectrum disorder, you've got ADHD, you also have OCD, uh, depression, anxiety, um, uh, bipolar, you know, borderline (laughs) personality disorder. So a lot of these things, they're like a soup, right? And, And I remember I had a guest talk about like, you know, figuring out how these things are all interrelated is like pulling out a, a fish hook and a bowl of fish hooks, right? Like the, it's just, it'll take your whole life to figure out what is what. Um, but a lot of the time, I think it, it comes down to sort of having a different way of thinking and realizing that, you know, that is looked at as being quote unquote wrong by people in your life, whether it was your parents or your teachers or adults in your life who shaped your identity was shaped by this lifelong understanding that the way you were doing things was wrong. With my children, I liken it to being left-handed, right? So, you know, when you're left-handed and you're handed a pair of scissors that are right-handed scissors, everybody else seems to be able to cut. And you're like, I can't use these. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I can't cut scissors. I can't use scissors. I can't cut. And what you just needed were a pair of left-handed scissors. So it's, you know, it's a, a lot of the time it's really like this idea that 
we believe that something's wrong with us. And really what we needed was we needed the left-handed scissors and we never got them. And so it's a matter of trying to find them. And as opposed to feeling like I'm the problem, it's really just a matter of, you know, realizing that everybody else can do it, feeling what is wrong with me that I can't do it. And then figuring out what you need. I almost feel like I can cry having you say that we just didn't have the left-handed scissors. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) That is beautiful. That's such a beautiful way to put it. And that our brains are just different and that can be a beautiful thing. Right. And extraordinary. it's extraordinary what people are capable of when, when they're not thought of as being wrong, but, you know, just given the uh, ability to kind of lean into their differences. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. So much hope and encouragement. Um, Yeah. And I feel like since I was diagnosed, it's really helped me to lean into my strengths Mm -hmm. and know that I, you know, trying to fit into that, you know, the square hole in the round peg or the square peg into the round hole. um, It's okay. It's okay. You know, because it's that square peg is good. It's (laughs) you know, nothing's wrong with it because it won't go in that round hole. So um, let our listeners um, know where to find you, Katie, and what you're up to. Yeah. So after I started the podcast, I realized I was meeting so many amazing women uh, from all different backgrounds. And I kind of wanted to create a community where they could meet each other because I felt like so much of my own healing and so much of the quote unquote treatment of ADHD is finding your people and finding community and feeling understood and realizing that you're not alone and sharing those experiences and being like, wait a minute, you know, I didn't realize road rage was part of it. ADHD, you get that too, you know, like all of these light bulb (laughs) moments. And so I created the women in ADHD online community, which uh, you can get there. It's, it's a mighty networks community, but you can get there through women and ADHD.com. And that's been a wonderful place for women to come together and meet. We have, um, we have book clubs. We're studying the uh, Radical Guide for Women with ADHD workbook right now where we come together and we fill it out together and we talk about it. And that's been really wonderful. I just started that in January, so I'm doing another one in March. And hopefully I'm just going to keep doing them because they are so nourishing and uh, bringing everybody together in that way. And and so I have a background as a coach. So I also do group coaching and one-on-one coaching. You can find out all about that at my website, women and Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for what you're putting out in the world and how you're supporting women that have ADHD and having, living their best life and loving themselves, really <laughs> learning to love themselves and know they're not alone. And live a vibrant, vibrant life. So love what you're doing. Thank you. And thanks for having me and having this conversation. And yeah, I think um, anytime we can shed light on this and, and reduce some of the stigma, I think is important for all of us. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. And thank you so much for joining me. And two announcements. I want to tell you about a resource, the Disruptors Movie. It is excellent if you have an ADHD kid. I highly recommend it. It's so well done. I actually cried during it. It was just a beautiful film. And if you have an ADHD kid, 
you will relate to so much of it. It's a lot of very well-known people, entrepreneurs that have ADHD, comedians, actors, and they tell their stories. And it also highlights several families and their kids that are navigating ADHD. So I encourage you to check it out. It's called The Disruptors Movie. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. You can also watch it on YouTube and some other other places. So check that out. And also, I encourage you to get on our newsletter list. It's momsoftweensandteens.com because in September, I have a free three-day workshop series coming up and we're going to be talking all about entitlement and I am in the process right now of of writing it and not quite sure exactly of the full title but it's going to be something like how to break free of the entitlement trap and raise independent teens we're going to be talking about the warning signs of raising an entitled teen and day two how our good intentions are hurting rather than helping and day three it's not too late to turn the titanic around how to unentitle your teen. And when you get on the newsletter list, you'll be the first one to find out about this workshop series. It's a wonderful time to connect with other moms. You will get the replay if you can't come live. And I share so many awesome resources. So just a great time that I get to connect with you and I cannot wait. This is one topic that all the moms were asking for when we polled. I mean, I shouldn't say all the moms, but It definitely got the highest vote. So I'm really looking forward to it. Have a great week, and I hope you'll sign up uh, for our newsletter on momsoftweensandteens.com, and I will see you back here next week. Have a great week. 